Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenikin. How's it going? Good, long time. Long time no see. <laughs> We're all dying for part two. Oh my God, we're dying. Um, so I think we're going to start off with thanking some of our uh, new Patreon, Patreon supporters or yeah. patrons. patrons. Patrons, right? Uh-huh, <laughs> okay. Um, so we have a lot of new people to thank. Um, shout out to Jenna, Chris, Raul, Allison, Joe, Monica, Kara, Shondell and Liz and Sophia. Sophia's yeah. our latest. Oh, cool. Hey, Sophia. Thank you guys um, yeah, so much. Yeah, thank you so much. That really helps us. It really does. Um, um, and we appreciate all of your support. And we hope you like the bonus episodes that you get for just a small donation of $5 a month. Right. Four additional episodes every month. And they're um, really fun. They're, they're not fun. usually they're not crimes. Usually, no, they're just kind of random Hollywood. Filthy. Urban, legend, urban legends, recaps of certain Sex weird tapes. Sex tapes and various <laughs> other... Fun stuff. Fun stuff, yeah. Very fun stuff. Uh, um, but this week we have part two of the Hillside Stranglers. Yes, coming we at do. You, right? so yes, it should we be chock do. full of murder. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of murder. So, so where do we leave off? Well, where we left off, I decided to um, leave off on a crime that happened Thanksgiving week. Oh, right. Okay. Um, it happened Thanksgiving week in the 70s, of course, but I thought since we, our last episode was right before Thanksgiving that it would be very holiday appropriate. <laughs> of course. So <laughs> we had left off uh, that on November 23rd of 1977 – which was just the day before Thanksgiving that year, the nude body of 28-year-old Jane King was found dumped by the 5 Freeway on-ramp. And Jane had been missing since November 9th, so her body was decomposed. So these guys are on quite a tear right, right now. They've been going on a tear since October. And on November 29th, 1977, the body of 18-year-old Lauren Wagner was found in Glendale. Lauren also had the signature ligature marks on her wrists, ankles, and neck that all of the other victims had. She had been strangled to death. And Lauren also had signs of torture on her like some of these later victims exhibited. She had electrical burn marks on her hands indicating that she had been tortured in some way before Uh she died. The night before, Lauren Wagner was um, actually outside of her house, her own apartment where she lived with her family, her mom and her dad. And she was approached by Kenneth Bianchi and Angel- Angelo Bono, which was in the Valley, and abducted. It was thought to have been another instance where they had flashed their badges, but she was suspicious of it. There was a bit of a struggle, but she wound up getting into the car with them. And the next morning, Lauren's parents woke to find Lauren's car parked out front with the door left open, hmm. which is alarming so to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lauren's neighbor, Beulah Stouffer, had seen two men having an altercation with a woman before she entered the men's vehicle. Ugh. So, like I said before, it was believed once again that the killers have been posing as police officers. Right. When detectives questioned the neighbor, Beulah, she said that she had witnessed the altercation from her window 
um, or I guess it could have been from her lawn too. They, uh, there were like two different, um, the, the pl- detectives ended up deducing that it probably, she probably wasn't watching from her window. She probably was actually like hiding in a bush on her lawn, right? Just from how much she actually heard and saw, which is really terrifying. She was, I think she was out there with her dog. So, uh, this neighbor, uh, Beulah, that's her, Beulah Stouffer, she witnesses this altercation. She sees Lauren get dragged from her car into this car by two strange men. And Beulah was pretty shaken up about this, obviously. She didn't want to get involved, but she did have an asthma attack that night. Oh, my God. She wasn't... She wasn't like old, old. I mean, she was in Despite her mid fifties. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a seventies. <laughs> right. So like, yeah. But she, um, she wasn't. She was older. She had health problems, and like I said, she did not want to get involved. Uh, she didn't call the police or anything. Really? I, yeah. Like, uh, the, but I the mean, police... I get not wanting to get involved, but to not call the police seems one step. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, this is, it's so it's so different nowadays because she would have been out there with her phone recording, recording it. the whole thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. Ugh. Um, and one creepy thing is that Beulah alleges she alleged that she heard Lauren say, "You're not going to get away with this." Oh, well, they did for a bit get right. away with it. Right. Um, then uh, a couple weeks later, on December 13th, the body of 17-year-old sex worker Kimber- Kimberly Martin was found on a hillside in Echo Park. Kimberly worked for a call girl agency called Climax. Oh, my God. Is it spelled like K-L-Y? <laughs> no, not to be confused with the early 80s R&B right. dance group Climax. Right. <laughs> spelled that way. No, this was spelled like the proper way to spell Climax. Right. And she was called from a payphone to come over to Ken- Kenneth's apartment in Hollywood. And instead of meeting a John at this apartment, Kenneth and Angelo were there waiting for her. And they fucking killed her. They strangled her. I mean, not that I'm trying to give pro tips to murderers, but it is kind of surprising that you would officially hire a prostitute or a sex worker to um, murder. Well, because isn't there a bit of a trail there? Well, uh, that's why he used the payphone. It still wasn't the best because they were able to trace right where the call came from. But wouldn't she, I mean, I don't know how it all works, but wouldn't she say, oh, here's the address where I'm going to, or they weren't concerned about safety. I, <laughs> there was no buddy system I, back then. I, I have no idea. But basically yeah. the reason that they did use a call service in this instance is because by this time the murders had gotten a lot of press and so they didn't want to go out on the street trying to pick up someone. Well, a lot of sex workers weren't even working on the street as much. And this, so uh, this was sort of a safer route. This was a safer route for sex workers was to do like a call service type situation. Thinking it would sort of eliminate that danger. Right. Right. Okay. Unfortunately, they're psychopaths. So it did not (laughs) eliminate that danger. And Kenneth and Angelo were enjoying all the press that they were getting. Right. Of course. They're fucking sickos. And like I just said, women were afraid to be on the street out at night. And at this time, sales of guns and mace were skyrocketing. I mean, there was a lot of panic. Right. I mean, I keep thinking because I live in this part of town. Right. So it's like crazy to think. This was like all if this happening now, all of this around every neighborhood that I live in. Basically. Yeah, it is. It's not too far from where I live either. It's like. You know, and then no, Rachel, it's really where I live. Shut up. <laughs> Don't make it about you. 
Kimberly Martin got killed just a few blocks away from where we record. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) So for the next two months, Kenneth and Angelo decided, let's take a break. They took a little break from their murder spree. For Christmas, for the holidays. It's what Jesus would have wanted, (laughs) apparently. And it wasn't until February 16th, 1978, that the next body was found. Cindy Hudspeth was found naked in her orange Datsun at the bottom of the Angeles Crest. Now, Cindy was somebody that was looking for work, and she had met Angelo Bono and Kenneth Bianchi at Angelo's upholstery shop. Right. This poor girl, she's like 20 years old. So she's just looking for a job. Yeah. And she walks into this. Right. And Angelo's like, I got a perfect one. I got a perfect one right here, this chick. And they kill her in his shop, which is where a lot of the murders went down. Most of them went down in his shop. And uh, they, she came there with her car. You know, it was like she was killed the same day, that day on February 16th, that she met him or that they met, uh, that they, that she met them. So she just, like, didn't even fucking have a chance. Like, right. as soon as she entered that upholstery shop. It was done. It was done. It was over. They got her. Now, during this entire last year, Kenneth Bianchi had been having an on-again, off-again relationship with a woman named Kelly Boyd. Kelly ended up getting pregnant in June of 1977, And she gave birth to their son, Ryan, in February of 1978. So this is very shortly after their latest murder. This woman that Kenneth Bianchi, they actually got married, but this this woman that he lives with and is involved with on again, off again, has a son with. Right. um, You know, they had just, they've been murdering people this whole time. And Kelly has no idea. She thinks Kenneth is great and she loves him, but that he's troubled and he's right. an asshole sometimes, but she has no idea that he's living like this complete double life, like the most double life you could possibly have. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty extreme. It's not just like you find out your husband he's is cheating. A girl. <laughs> right. He's like DMing some girls. Right. Like he's straight up strangling and raping multiple Where women. Where were you last night? <laughs> right i mean i don't think kelly liked angelo very much i think she thought he was scuzzy and didn't like and like kenneth would frequently go like i'm gonna go hang out with angelo and i think kelly didn't like that she didn't like his influence right but really kenneth bianchi is just just as disgusting as his cousin yes angelo they're both pieces of shit and I also, fun little tidbit, they named their son Ryan after their favorite soap opera, which was Ryan's Hope. Ooh, that is a good tidbit. Because yeah. it's like, it's, honestly, it sounds like something a girl named Kelly would do. I'm sorry. Well, she also spells her name K-E-L-L-I. Oh, God. With a heart over right. it. So, I mean, she would be Kayla if she was born a little bit later. Right. If she was a millennial, she'd be Kayla. <laughs> totally. Kelly with an I. Kelly with an I. I love to. I like to think of her condescendingly correcting people as if it's better. Though. Excuse me. It's with an I with a heart over it. <laughs> Thank you. Whatever. We probably have some really cool listeners named Kelly, but they're probably just a Y. <laughs> Please write in and ream Desi up her butt if you're offended by the Look. spelling of your name. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's your mom's fault. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Go. 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 Okay. 
So like many sociopathic shit men, Kenneth showered Kelly with flowers and romance. He even wrote her poems. And because he was always in and out of employment, he decided to blame it on the fact that he had cancer. Wait. Who? Kenneth had cancer? He did not have cancer. But he said, but he, said he, he certainly told Kelly, his wife, that he had cancer. Wow. He would even go as far as to have her drive him to the hospital. And he'd be like, all right, bye. I love you. I'm going in for my chemo. Ugh. Sometimes he would even go into the hospital and get fake reports, like reports to doctor up and give to her like, yeah, I got the cancer. Who has time to lie that much? Like, that's, that's what I always dedication. think with lying. I'm like, it takes so much effort. <laughs> like, I just don't have time. But here's the thing we've learned from all these fake male feminists. Right. Is they're really creative and they go over the top and above and beyond with their lies. And their lies to cover up their bullshit are always so extreme. But I wouldn't exactly say kind of feel like he's a fake male feminist. <laughs> no, but I'm saying he's a fake no. male feminist because he would shower her with l- right, like right, flowers right. and write poems. Yeah, okay. But I mean, it's just kind of in the same vein with like all sociopathic right. well, men. men trying to present a different front to women. Right. Like the one they think a woman wants. I'm really talking about the s- yeah. like sociopathy. He's the original he, fake male No, feminist. Ted Bundy's the OG fake male feminist. <laughs> Ted Bundy is. We need to do a countdown. Uh, we really do. Like the top best fake male feminist of all killers killers (laughs) okay we should correlate them to modern version like ted bundy was the alt comic but like i'm (laughs) telling you like there was that fake male feminist that i was like pseudo involved with for a time and like he would make up the most insane ridiculous lies that like in hindsight like when you think about all the lies you're like oh my god that never happened yeah like and then because you don't even assume someone goes to that length to right like you you want to have like like it's one thing to say, oh yeah, I was I was at my friend's house and not at the club. That's like a lie anyone can tell in two seconds. No, but these but were to create a chemotherapy and be dropped off at the hospital. No, but these were lies that this person that I knew would create that would be like, I was on stage doing stand up and I collapsed and like the whole <laughs> right. room and there was a gas leak and there was this whole scene and I went to the hospital because and, like, it's something a normal person wouldn't even question. Because you're yeah. like, oh my god, are you okay? That's what I yeah. said. Oh my god, are you okay? And like. Then I got into a car accident and it would like, there would always be these like over the top fucking lies that I would like try and give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. So like I can imagine, obviously like it takes a, well, it also takes a real special kind of monster to make up that you have cancer. Oh God. Like that's so fucking extra. (laughs) So (laughs) it's really over the top. It is extra. It's really extra. Um, so she had no idea that her husband had been going on this murder spree with Angelo. She ended up moving out of the apartment that they shared together in Hollywood and into a place in the valley because she was like, ugh, like, finally, like, I'm done. Yeah, I you know, I just romance. can't. Yeah, I, like, I can't handle this relationship with, like, my loser husband who is always in and out of work and childish like he was it wasn't like like he hit and he also hit her like he finally got no not like multiple times but like that was like one of the final breaking points for her like he started hitting her he started hitting her and she's like "Mm, yeah i gotta get out of here so she that's good i'm glad she did that sorry for mocking her eye (laughs) that's strong that is strong so she had been thinking at this time you know what i'm gonna move back up where my family is where i grew up in Bellingham, Washington. Oh, God, right, right. Which is this small town just north of Seattle. She wanted a fresh start. 
And Kenneth was like, baby, please let me come to Bellingham. I want to raise our son there together. And she's like, "Mm, I'm not really sure. So she goes up there without him. And meanwhile, Angelo is sick of Kenny's shit too. He's, he's over, everyone's over Kenneth Bianchi at this point. They're not into him anymore. And Angelo also thinks that Kenneth is like fucking up their game. Like he's not that good of a criminal. Right. He's going to get it. He's like going to get him in Angelo trouble. Angelo being like, I don't even fucking need you. Like, why? Yeah. yeah like, Cause Angelo was really the ringleader. He's like the king. Oh yeah. yeah. Angelo's such a fucking, I'm the boss daddy yeah. of this whole operation. And like, you came out here to LA to like learn from me and to right. be under my wing. Like I'm the Italian stallion motherfucker. Right. So Angelo at this point starts pressuring Kenneth Bianchi Get the fuck out of here. Like, go up to be with your bride. Go up, be with your son. Like, get the fuck out of here. And Kenny's like, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I should. Angel's like, I'll fucking kill you if you don't go up there. Okay. Yeah, that's what happened. (laughs) We just reenacted a scene. That that was verbatim. (laughs) I mean, I am irritated with Kenny Bianchi, too. Yeah. He does seem irritating. He is irritating. So eventually, in May of 1978, Kenneth gets in his little car and drives up to Bellingham, Washington from Los Angeles. He reconciles with Kelly, and they settle into a small home together with their son, Ryan, and just begin this whole new life. Kenneth gets a job working as a security guard at a hardware store. Everyone, hopefully, I don't know if they remember, from last episode, we talked about how Kenneth Bianchi really wanted to be a cop, but couldn't get a job as a cop so he was working security guard jobs right. occasionally and he was stealing at his job so it's probably you know it's like the park of being a security guard. yeah he's like i'm the fucking person watching over right. the theft i'm gonna steal right so he did that and he was bored as shit in this hometown in her hometown in bellingham there it was so small it was like a town of forty thousand people there was nothing to do there because it was so small and sort of insulated, he felt like he couldn't be anonymous there and do crime. Right. Because everyone knew each other. Everyone knew each other. And he was getting real antsy at this point, and he wants to do a crime. He wants to do something. He needs some kind of, like, thrill. He can't even fuck bitches on the side. Right. Because everyone's Everyone knows each other. So he gets really horny and he starts jerking off a lot at this point. Ugh. Like he's just like a jerk off machine. Oh God, that makes me ill. <laughs> so he, there's this rug that they have in their house that belongs oh, to. God. <laughs> it's a rabbit for rug. Cause it's the seventies. And uh, Kenneth Bianchi starts using the rug to jerk off into. Wait, what? Like, I guess he starts, I mean, like, like rubbing around on it. I guess like either humping the rug or like rolling up a piece of it on his dick and jerking off with it. Like it's really soft, but I need like an in-depth investigation. <laughs> I do too. I mean, I read, no, th- I've heard, I mean, from our last podcast, I do feel like men do hump things yeah. that have a certain feel for them. Like, yeah. I think we had one guy who told us he would do it with satin shorts or something. Yeah. Who was that? Joe Wagner, maybe. Let's just call it Joe Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> Every dirty follow sex brothers thing. wag on Twitter. <laughs> um, so I do feel like there is a certain thing with jerking off where you want to feel something soft. Yeah. What kind of rug was it? 
rabbit fur. fur. Rabbit fur is very soft. It was it real soft. rabbit fur? Or yeah, fake? it was the seventies. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it could be, could be faux. But everyone had rabbit fur. But shit rabbit in the is 70s. very soft. Yeah, it's very. So soft. he probably liked that soft silky feel. So I'm imagining. Look, I will go into this. I'm the deep dive expert on jerking off. I think he probably did lie down on it and just wriggle and around it. and kind of humped the rug. Right. I don't think he picked up a corner and jerked off with it. That seems because it's going to get heavy. Your hand's going to get tired. Right. Because you're pulling up the whole rug. At this well, time. he did come on the rug a lot. Right. That's why I'm thinking he lied down on it and kind of humped right. it and then just came right on the rug and probably did not clean it up. He never cleaned it up. And I want everyone to know that there was cum all over this rug. So it was crusty it and was, no longer soft. It was no He longer. probably had to find new soft areas to come onto. Right. Until the whole rug was just crust. Right. Cum crust. I mean, that's rude. <laughs> It's so fucking gross. Get a that fucking you sock. Well, even if you come on the if you come on the rug, fucking clean, it, clean up. it. Just get some soap and water, some seltzer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what gets come out of. I guess detergent, but like even what? just cleaning something with soap and water is gonna work. Yeah, you don't just leave. Cum. You know, he just rolled over and let yeah. that come stay there. He just like you know, hit I'm a sorry. part of that corner <laughs> in, in under the rug or under the sofa or something. I would pay a lot of money to see a photo of this rug. <laughs> I would love to see the rug. I want to see it. And was it a white rabbit rug or like a brown rabbit rug? I mean, I feel like brown is more practical for a rug because white would get really dirty to walk right. in, right? I, I just know. imagined it white and like, you, so you can't really even see the cum until it's too late until you walk your bare feet across it and you're like, what is that? Kenny, did you come on this <laughs> Well, that's okay. next. So okay. eventually the rug was so covered in cum that he just kind of like balled it up and stuffed it into the corner of the room. And Kelly walks into the room and she's like, what the fuck? Is, like, what? Like, what? Is... Kenny. Yeah. And well, why not just throw it away? You ball it up and put a cum rug in the corner. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know he's a serial killer, so I shouldn't be questioning his morality on the cum. <laughs> But it does say something. <laughs> no, he's a monster. I'm telling you, he's a monster. So Kelly confronts him and is like, what's on this rug? And Kenny, she's not even mad at him. Kelly's not even mad at him. She's just like, honey, like, you know, what's going on? And he, it, because he's a fucking liar, he's a pathological liar, can't stop lying. He tells her that he spilled turkey gravy on the rug. What? <laughs> yes, girl. <laughs> First of all, turkey gravy is brown. Well, not only that, but where do you have that year round? Who just You're, has you turkey gravy? Turkey gravy? No. That's not something you have. Maybe you have chicken and gravy. If it was the week after Thanksgiving, maybe you'll have some leftovers. Right. But turkey gravy? And what's he, how is he spilling it? Was it in a sandwich? And how is that less squirted? embarrassing than I came up with? <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said to her, he's like, it was turkey gravy and I spilled it on the rug and just didn't want to clean it up. Ugh. Kenny. I mean, the whole thing. And that's what I'm saying is these lies are so absurd from these men. They go to these ridiculous lengths. Now I'll never be able to eat turkey gravy again. Which sucks because I love turkey <laughs> gravy. Too. I love gravy. It's yummy. Yeah. I'll still eat it. I like making gravy. I'm really good at making it. It's so good. I, I remember know. just a few weeks ago dipping food into gravy. <laughs> Anything I could find. It was oh. yummy. Yeah. Okay, that's stupid. We always do second Thanksgiving at my mom's house when I go up there for the holidays. Mm. I'm just like thinking about it right now because like I'm on my pre-holiday diet. Right. 
I'm really hungry right now. Me too. Sorry, guys. Beauty should be good for you. And that's why we're excited to tell you about Beauty Counter. Beauty Counter is a clean makeup and skincare brand that started in 2013, disrupting the beauty industry by shedding a light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in the personal care products that we use daily. Today, Beauty Counter is the leading clean beauty brand creating innovative and high-performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors. So what do we mean by clean? Over 1,800 questionable ingredients are never used in Beauty Counter's formulations. They call this their never list. You can learn more at beautycounter.com, where you're also going to want to check out their incredible products. Best of all, if you're a new customer and you order through March 15th, you'll get free shipping on your order of $100 or more when you use the code HOLLYWOOD. Once again, to get free shipping on your order of $100 or more, go to beautycounter.com and use the code HOLLYWOOD. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy, getting out of it is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. I know firsthand that there's nothing more frustrating than trying to pay something down and your payments are pretty much just paying off the interest. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. The best part? Once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. So free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. Okay. So meanwhile, back in LA, detectives are stumped. They knew at this time that it had to be two men working together. Um, And they knew it was two men because how else were these bodies being moved? It had to be the work of two men. Plus there were two different types of cum. Oh. In the bodies. Uh-huh. <laughs> so a forensic psychologist said he, they, they, I mean, they were stumped. They had no leads. All the leads were drying well, also up. Also, things had stopped at this point. Yeah, that right? was their last murder. That The, the, the murder the of February. Cindy, where they found her in her Datsun, in, which is a car for all Datsun. our younger. It's Datsun. Datsun, whatever. I like when you say Datsun. I've always <laughs> called it Datsun. <laughs> Datsun. Look. It was an orange Datsun. It doesn't even get more late 70s than that. It is very 70s. <laughs> orange? I mean, come it's on. It's an orange Datsun. Um, okay, so that was the last murder. So forensic, forensic psychologists had come to the LAPD and said, this is the work of one man, white, in his 30s, with a bad relationship with his mother. And Detective Grogan of the LAPD quipped, gee, all we got to do now is find a white man who hates his mother. Ugh. He was just like fuck you, like uh, like with your obvious serial killer. Well, these are like stuff. Must be the early days of profiling. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's that's like anyone could come up with that. Yeah, that seemed like really revolutionary to that psychologist. Like, right. oh, like dude, everyone knows that profile now. Like, right. I mean, granted, most serial killers are white men in their thirties. 
Right. But it was also so... There's some other, usually some other defining characters that kind of differentiates things a bit. Mm -hmm. So then the LAPD was contacted by a private detective from Berlin who offered to fly out to L.A. on his own dime to solve the case. He was certain. this. He was like, I can solve the case. Fly me out. He wasn't an official detective. He's a private eye. He's also, I think, a psychic. And, you know, I I don't know how common it is in real life true crime cases, but I like on Law and Order SVU or like crime shows and stuff, there's always like the psychic. Right. That is like, I know who did this. And like you hang up on them because you're like, fuck you. We're working on a case here. So obviously that was the case here for this crime. But because this guy flew all the way out on his own dime, Grogan, the detective, he was, like, shocked. He's like, wait, he's in my office right now? Like, he's he's here? Like, bring him in. Okay, whatever. Like, I'll humor him. So this German guy, detective, is like, let me, let me get a blackboard. And he gets a blackboard, Ooh. and he writes on the blackboard, two Italians, brothers, aged about 35. I mean, that's pretty, like, eerie. They weren't brothers. They were cousins. But, like, that's pretty... Nice try, psychic. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty close. The Italian part is what makes it, like, so specific. Wait, where was this guy? He was from Germany? Yeah. Right. I mean, no, I think it's pretty specific. It's, It's specific. So I thought that was a fun, weird thing. And by October of 1978, a year had passed since the first murder and the case had gone cold. Back in Bellingham, Kenneth Bianchi was hungry for murder. He met a 22-year-old girl named Karen Mandick while he was working at a hardware store. He lured her to an empty home with the promise of a house-sitting gig. Now, he was doing a job at this house repairing an alarm, and he told Karen that he could bring, she could bring along her roommate, Diane Wilder, if she wanted. And when Karen and Diane arrived, Karen went in first and was met by Kenneth in the basement where he strangled her immediately. Ugh. What a fucking piece of shit. And then Diane enters the house looking for Karen, and then she was immediately strangled. I mean, see, this is like the moment where Kenneth really loses whatever chance at um, sort of getting out of it. Totally. saying that Angelo was sort of the instigator and did everything and manipulated him and took it. You know what I mean? Like, he's doing it on his own now. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that that would have gotten him off, but it's, I've seen it before where they try to say, like with the um, DC shooting. Right. You know, it was like the older man and the younger boy. Or even just getting off the crime altogether because he's not even living Right. In Washington, and the crimes have stopped altogether. Right. And this is 1978. They don't have DNA testing. And you might be getting to this. I'm not sure. But is Angelo committing crime still in L.A.? Or no. did he stop? No, he So, I mean, stopped. it's interesting to me that Kenneth keeps going. In, even though Angelo seems to be the one who has the real statistic. Right. And it is questioned as to, like, it is, there has been, like, it has been said that it's thought that Kenneth Bianchi was the ones committing the actual murders. Right. But Angelo was doing, doing the all torture. the other shit and the rape. Right. Um, that makes sense to me because I feel like Angelo would be like, I'm the smart one. I'm right. not going to ever murder. Right. I'm just going to do everything else. Right. So, <clears throat> but Kenneth was like a 
murderer. He had that gene. Well, he had all the, um, he had the bedwetting and the head injury too, right? Yep. And Angelo, I think, didn't necessarily. No, he was just a jackass. Right. So Kenneth then drags both of the bodies up the stairs from the basement and out of the house and into Karen's car. She drove a Mitsubishi. Just FYI. (laughs) Thank you. Just want updates. I just want updates for our listeners on all the seventies cars. Yeah. I'm waiting to hit Tercel on my bingo card. Yeah. What <laughs> about Gremlin? Pinto? Gremlin. Gremlin. Yeah. Those Pinto. Are good. Gremlin. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So then he drives uh Karen's car into a cul-de-sac in a neighborhood, which is by a school, and he just leaves it there with these two bodies. The bodies in the cars. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Smart. And, of course, the news of the two murdered women shook the small town of Bellingham. Little did Kenneth know that Karen had told her boyfriend about the house-sitting gig and had also mentioned that Diane would be coming along with her. So that when the boyfriend called the police, like, uh, my girlfriends went on this house-sitting gig and they're missing. Right. Like, my girlfriend and her roommate, they knew who to look for. This, This Kenneth Bianchi motherfucker. So when police searched Kenneth's house, they found stolen items from his job, as well as jewelry, and they were able to hold him in jail. Then, because of his California's driver's license, they called the police in L.A. to check out his background. When Kenneth's address was discovered, the police were able to make the link to him and the Kimberly Martin murder at his apartment complex in Hollywood. Oh. Because that was the murder where this girl had gone. The call girl. The one who they called on the payphone. Yes. Wait, how did they link it? They linked it because that was one of his last addresses. Oh, but how did they link her to that apartment? Because they the call center had the call it. center. Right. Had, this is where she, this is the address where she went. Oh, so they did have a record of where she went. They did Got have a record it. of where she went. So some of the jewelry that they found in Kenneth Bianchi's house in Bellington belonged to Yolanda Washington, which was the first murder. Oh, right. And Kimberly Martin, the call girl we were just talking about. So Kenneth liked to keep trophies. But they still needed to find the other guy. When Kelly Boyd, Kenneth's wife, was questioned, she said that the only person her husband knew in L.A. was his cousin, Angelo. On January 16th, detectives visited Angelo at his upholstery shop, and he played dumb about his cousin. He's like, I don't know him. I actually really remember this scene well when I watched the TV movie based on this case. What, what they say. I don't remember the dialogue, but I remember the Them actor going to the- and like the actor playing dumb. Yeah, like, like it was what? like a, yeah. And you could tell he's like seething with rage underneath at Kenneth being so stupid. Oh, totally. And he was seething with rage. He's <laughs> right. Like, fucking Kenneth. You fucking right. idiot. You fucking bumbling idiot. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think Dennis Farina plays yes, him. Yeah. He does. He does. I Because I looked it up. Okay. And I want to see the movie now. Yeah, me too. It's good. I mean, I saw it. I want to see it again. So he plays dumb. They leave. But then they go visit him again at his house, Angela's house, on the 28th of January. And they are so grossed out by his house. His house is fucking sleazy as fuck. It's like the Italian stallion pad. He has this poster in his house that says, please remove your clothes instead of please remove your shoes. Oh. (laughs) It's like you get that at Spencer's Gifts or something. Uh, Can you imagine walking into a guy's house? (laughs) He had that. And the detectives could not believe that he was such a ladies man. They were like, how is this guy getting so much puss? 
Like, look at his house. It's disgusting. He has these gross fucking novelty posters. He's like 47 fucking years old. It's all in the confidence. It's like all in the he confidence. believes it. He, he believes, believes it. He is that. The, one of the detectives said he must have had a, he must have a really big dick. They did? Yeah, they did. Was that me? <laughs> Am I a detective? <laughs> yes, you are a detective I and just, a scientist. Did he, but did we have proof of his dick size? Look, I'm not going to Google it right now, am I? <laughs> yes, you are going to Google it Wait, right now. I would like to know, did he have a big dick? Do this you think he I, had a big this dick? Is where, well, I'm curious why a detective would say that. Well, because they were so grossed out. Like, how's this guy getting so much pussy? Oh, he must have a big dick. Yeah, but you don't know a guy has a big dick until you go home with him. So at that point, he's already lured them well, in. Well, maybe it's the rumor mill around town. Oh. Haven't you ever, like, heard of a guy where you're like, oh, I hear they have a big dick? I mean, maybe not since, like you're like young like really young but right i don't no, know i don't know that i've i don't think women are really like that necessarily a hundred percent because we're so accepting right <laughs> we are accepting do you know what i mean like right i mean i feel like yeah you might brag about it eventually but he's so uh, he's not that attractive but i look no, he's this not. is why I, I googled angelo bono dick did it just say he's a dick there's nothing there's not even like I mean, I'm not expecting there to be like a casting of it or something. Well, I guess that's just no one knows. <laughs> this just looks so sad right now. I am forlorn. Honestly, she looks crestfallen. She's like, no right. one knows. No one knows. No one we'll knows. never know. We'll never it's, know. It's one of the small tragedies of this case. It's like Amelia Earhart. We'll right. just never fucking we know. We can all have our theories right. about it. The detective had one based on nothing, but... <laughs> So to me, that's the, something a small dicked guy would say for why he's getting no pussy. Right. Because he'd be like, well, I don't have a big dick. And it's right. like, well, you could learn how to go down. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots There's of no excuses. Yeah. Okay. Back to the story. I'm sorry. Back in Bellingham, where Kenneth was locked up now, he tries to convince the detectives that he was suffering from amnesia. He had just watched the movies, The Three Faces of Eve and Sybil, while he was in jail. Which is what? like, he's such a You fucking, get to do that in jail? Well, <laughs> he's such a fucking idiot. Or maybe he read the books or something. But I love that you would do that in jail while you're waiting trial. Like, that would never be like, come up. You know right. what I mean? As being like suspicious. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying yeah. is that's how much of an idiot is. He's like, oh, you just happen to watch these movies and now you're saying you're, you have amnesia. Okay. So they humor him and they get psychologists in there and he says that his alter ego, Steve which that's the name of his alter ego, was responsible for the murders. And, of course, it was found out that Kenneth was faking it and he would not be able to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. So he then agreed to a guilty plea and to give up everything that he had on Angelo in exchange for life in prison in California rather than the death penalty in Washington. Oh. So... Before the trial started, Kenneth began corresponding with a woman named Veronica Compton. Now, this Veronica Compton woman had been working on a screenplay about a serial killer and wanted his input. Then they fell in love. Oh, God. Yeah. And he was like, Kenneth was all, hey, I know a way that you can help me. So Kenneth asked Veronica to do a copycat murder in Bellingham. <laughs> I know he's such an idiot so that he could be released to be like, well, I guess it's not me. God, he is literally the <laughs> dumbest criminal ever. He's like so dumb. 
And Kenneth was like, and you need to plant semen on the body. Because that's one of the signatures. <laughs> Go to my rug. <laughs> Scrape off Scrape some DNA. Off. Put it in the microwave for a few minutes. Rehydrate it Rehy- in your mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry. Spit it on her. I'm sorry. This is so dumb. I can't believe it. I love it. So Veronica traveled up to Bellingham. She goes. <laughs> it gets better. Jesus with Christ. a plastic glove filled with cum. <laughs> I just picture all the, the fingers being. I do too. Full. Filled with cum. It's like. I'm sorry. And like one of them isn't full all the way. So it kind of bends. <laughs> Oh my god! I just picture her like having to tie it in a little knot at the top of it so it doesn't spill out. Or like keeping it warm in her. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you in her to... pants. Look, and I that's a... how she got pregnant. Look, I have <laughs> a lot of questions about the cum glove. I have a lot I of questions. I just feel about like it. I've never loved someone that much. <laughs> First of all, where did she get the cum? He clearly came in prison, right? Or oh, 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 I guess she could have gotten the that's, cum from another guy. That's what I'm. What guy is like? Yo, come in your rubber glove. My, I only have one thing that turns me on. <laughs> Watching a man jerk off into a rubber glove, baby. And then letting me keep the glove. Can I keep it? <laughs> I get hungry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just trying to think of like what would work yeah, on a guy. Usually latex gloves have like some kind of powder I on mean, them. I mean, you'd think it, at least the guy would be worried like she's going to try to get pregnant or you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I Whose I, cum was it? That's the name of my memoirs. <laughs> I oh my god, I'm I so, literally have tears in my eyes over this information. I can't I mean, handle I just it. Just imagine just traveling with it in between her legs, trying not to be at it to spill. Like it's like the best kind of like slapstick <laughs> for oh, me. It's so good. It's like better than Benny Hill. It's really good. <laughs> I want Yakety Sags playing the whole the whole drive up. Uh, she has to hold it like when you have the little Brett uh, flower bag. You have to pretend it's a baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh the my god. Glove. Okay. So mm-hmm. she goes up to Bellingham. She lured twenty-six-year-old Kim Bree to her hotel room after a night of partying together. And Kim ends up managing to escape. She's as Veronica is about to strangle her. She's like, "Whoa!" and gets out of there. She actually thought she was going to be able to strangle someone. I mean, yes. that would be very difficult for a woman, I would imagine, right? I don't know. I mean, I've never tried. So Kim escapes, and Veronica was arrested in San Francisco. So now she's in jail. They're both in jail because they're both idiots. This is literally the stupidest criminal plan I've ever heard. Like, well, it has to be up there. <laughs> I can't get over it. It's really dumb. So then Veronica fell in love with none other than Doug Clark, one of the Sunset Strip Oh, my God. Yes. She starts corresponding with him and writing disgusting, filthy, gross letters to him. And he's like, I found my girl. (sighs) Who are these women? I know. Carol Bundy's like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Go fuck yourself. That's my man. I'm looking up this this bitch, Veronica Compton. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, she's not unattractive, but she does look slightly insane. Okay, I need to, like, read about her. Yeah, she's insane. She's like the um, Pamela DeBar of serial killers. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Angelo Bono's trial lasted a long-ass time. It went from 1981 to 1983. His cousin, Kenneth Bianchi, testified against him, and Angelo was sentenced to life in prison, where he died of a heart attack in 2001. Right. I remember when he died. Yeah. And Kenneth Bianchi is still alive, where he continues to serve his life sentence. If any ladies want to correspond with him. He's still alive. Is Veronica not with him anymore? No, she's with Doug Clark. Oh. So she never... Is Doug Clark still alive? I thought he died. Maybe. But I don't it's, remember. I don't remember. And did he... Um, was she ever convicted? Or... I yeah. Mean, she att- I she attempted to murder someone. I think she wasn't in jail for that long. Right. I didn't really... Well, maybe she turned some evidence, too. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Um, so, wow. yeah. That's the Hillside Stranglers. I have to say that... Um, I really liked the final beat of these episodes. That's like an amazing. I I feel like I don't remember that. And I, I have seen so many things on this case. But About Veronica? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It's really wild. It's so and the whole, crazy. The whole Sunset Strip Killer connection. Is I mean, also... this, this is clearly a woman that has a thing for really, 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 really damaged men. I mean. Like beyond damage. Right. Because we all kind of do, but... No, that's why I put all the extra reallys in there. She's extra. She's extra about her... Everyone's extra. She just wants to fix them, and it's never going to happen. Yeah, and I guess her screenplay was never picked up. I always feel like in a lot of these stories, there's someone writing a screenplay that just never... It it makes me all sad. It was passed over a million times. There's just so many. It's like, oh my God, can we all just not write screenplays? Like... Um, but yeah, Ugh. anyways, wow, so, that's yeah. good. So that's, that's that. That's that. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Oh, um, one, a few final thoughts. Um, we really appreciate all the ratings and reviews on yes. iTunes, but it's very helpful for us. If you do take two seconds to click a star, that would be wonderful. If you have more time, you rate can us write five up. stars though. Right. I mean, why bother? Yeah. If you don't <laughs> like us, don't fucking rate us. <laughs> Who cares? But and if you have more time, you can write something. It yeah. really does help us. It helps us. We wouldn't be get more seen about it. Uh, it helps us in the um, ratings or not ratings, but rankings and whatnot, and helps us in search searchability. Yeah, it helps us get more uh, seen. So yeah, so. it's not for just our own ego strokes. It does help the show. It and does. If you help like the show, show, you want to help us because yeah. we're such sweethearts. And we love. <clears throat> um, I read all of your reviews on iTunes. They're very sweet. Yeah, I, like I really them. appreciate them, and I'm really enjoying our Facebook group, as we've mentioned before. Oh, right. Check that out. Yeah. Make sure you're on the group that you have to ask to join rather than the page, because we might be shutting the page down because the group is more fun. Yeah, we're shutting. <clears throat> we're going to shut so, down the fan page just because um, we have the Instagram and Twitter for all the stuff we would put on the fan page. Right, but the group is definitely more interactive, and we're on there kind of a lot i think yeah so if you want to chat with us and chat with other people who like the show it's pretty fun and people share cool stories and personal stories even yeah that are connected to the case yeah how about rachel just sneezed i was like we have to stop this recording okay okay cool but thank you so much Bye. bye